This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Lake of Flowers by N.L. Holmes. Lake of Flowers is the fifth book in the Lord Hani Mysteries series by N.L. Holmes. Set in ancient Egypt right after the death of Akhenaten, Lake finds our hero Hani sent to investigate thefts from King Nefertiti's household that turn out to be related to a more sinister attempt on the king's life. Meanwhile, witnesses to the crown prince's dodgy birth begin to die, and Hani fears for his daughter and her friend, the royal physicians, who were also present. More secrets emerge about the prince's identity, and Hani finds himself caught between the government and the radical revolutionaries who want to restore Amun-Ra by civil war, among them the queen, whom Hani has sworn to serve. Can Hani reconcile his desire for peace with his devotion to the king of the gods? Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 116, and we are recording on Sunday, November 28th. I am Katie McLean Horner, along with our special guest, Reader Liberty Hardy, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Liberty, how are you? Hello, Katie. I am good. I'm happy to be back here. I used to read mysteries all the time when I was younger. I had a very, very, very boring retail job that just required me to sit there and this was not working at a bookstore people always think when you work at a bookstore you can just read it's not true no it's not but i would there was a mystery bookshop next door and i would go every morning before we opened and i would get a mystery paperback and i would sit and read it all day and then get a new one the next day and sometimes i miss those simple days (laughs) (laughs) i don't read as much as many mysteries as i used to you just read everything else you know yeah oh yeah i mean uh, yeah it's great but sometimes i'm like oh i would just love to take Two weeks off and just read mysteries. (laughs) And that's what I feel like I only read because of the podcast. And I try to read other stuff, but I don't read. I haven't been reading as much over the last couple of years as I usually do. So when people come into the library looking for book recommendations, I'm usually like, please tell me you're looking for a mystery because I can (laughs) I can totally talk about those. The rest of them, I, I can I can definitely I can work my way through it. But someone comes in and says that they're looking for a mystery suspense novel i'm like my time has come <laughs> i have come out of the staff office doing that with arms up just to be like my body is ready who wants the mystery recommendation yeah i love mysteries like i can't say for sure now if i would say they were my favorite genre but probably still yeah it's yeah it's it's a it's a favorite for for so many people it's just so universally yeah. Amazing. And we also, I just have to throw this in at work this last week, we just put up our annual Homicide for the Holidays display <laughs> that I that I actually started at my last job and then brought it over to my current job. And I have to thank my mother-in-law for that because she was telling me about how every Christmas she pulls out her holiday-themed cozy mysteries and she calls it her Homicide for the Holiday books. And so I just took that and ran with it. And we expanded beyond holiday <laughs> cozies. So there's like all kinds of mysteries, but we decorate the display with like red dripping snowflakes. And it's, oh, it just gets more and more outrageous every year. <laughs> and our patrons love uh, it. That's not uh, some Hallmark movies you've seen, though. Yeah, no. Maybe they'll start like some Hallmark Christmas homicide mystery <laughs> yeah they, yeah but really they they can lean into the cozy side i'm like okay here's some here's yeah. some cozy holidays here's some cold weather ones and the rest are just some of my favorites so <laughs> it's oh, it's a fun. it's a broad display but it is it's always super popular and we get so excited to put this up so 
So have you been reading any mysteries recently? Oh, yes. Actually, the book that I'm reading at this moment that I just started uh, is called The Great American Deception by Scott Stein, which I kind of just danced around because it sounded political. And that's on me for not like looking up what it was. But I have finally read about it. And it sounds really fun. I picked it up. It's about this private eye in the future named Frank Harkin, where the world outside, I don't actually know what the world outside the mall looks like, but everyone lives in this giant mall in the middle of America. And it's like 16 stories high. And people have all these robot parts, like uh, in the Body Scout by Lincoln Michelle, which I read recently is another great PI book. And he is asked by a woman to find her missing sister, but also somehow a coffee robot is delivered to his house and becomes his sidekick. So Frank and his coffee robot are investigating this woman's missing sister. It's very weird and really funny. It has uh, Douglas Adams comparisons, which I find very appropriate. It's a lot of humor and wit. But again, I'm only like... 40 pages into it, but I do love a book. I love an author that uses footnotes as a means to tell more jokes. And this one is full of footnotes. All right. So footnotes are your jam. Definitely pick this one up. Yeah. Because like, you know, it, it kind of, like you do have to stop what you're doing to look at the footnotes. Sometimes, you know, I'm reading it as a, as an ebook. So, you know, you have to go find it and come back. But it's, it's always worth it. Like, they're always funny. It's like more jokes that I couldn't really fit into the body of the text. But also, like, sometimes when you go to them, it's, like, extremely funny. And you're like, oh, worth it. So, <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was not expecting your description of the plot to go in that direction. I'm like, okay, PI futuristic. <laughs> I'm like, coffee robot. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a sequel coming out. And the author uh, was shouting it out on Twitter the other day. And when I asked people like, what, what books are coming out next year that you're excited about? I always welcome, you know, people saying like, hey, I have a book. And he was telling me and I was like, that sounds really good. And so far, so good. Awesome. Yeah. So I well, I mean, I finished almost two books for this episode that we'll talk about later. And for that, I'm very proud of myself, because that is way more than I have than I have read in a long time, like in one, you know, time block. But anyway, I did check out a big stack of books to decide what I wanted to read for this episode. And while I was doing that, another book crossed my path. And we, uh, Nezra and I talked about this book a couple episodes ago. Um, The book is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. And it just came out like earlier this month, I think. And this has been just like one of the big buzzworthy fall titles, fall mystery thriller titles. And we were super excited about it. And I happened to be checking it in at our library straight from our catalogers hands. And no one had a hold on it. So I was like, hey, yoink, this one's mine. So I have not had a chance to actually start reading it, but it is definitely next on my list. And if you're not familiar with it, the main character is Elise Littlejohn, who is a corporate attorney at this prestigious firm. And she has a, what they call a for fun relationship with her boss, Michael. Now, it's worth pointing out that Elise is black and her boss is white. So lots of potential complications, not the first among them being that she's having an affair with her boss, but whatever. Anyway. And so she thinks everything's going great. And then one morning she goes to meet him and finds him dead. 
And that would be problematic enough, but she just kind of walks away like nothing happened and she didn't see anything because she's got a bunch of her own secrets and she's really trying to stay out of the spotlight that would come from discovering that your boss is dead. So all of this is going on. She gets hired to replace her her former boss. But she also, when she moves into the position, she, of course, discovers that there's some shady stuff happening. So what I really liked about the premise of this book is that it takes, like, it's got legal thriller elements, but it also has psychological suspense elements to it. So it's like shady dealing, legal thriller stuff, but also personal secrets and dark past that she doesn't want anyone to find out. And I'm here for both of those. And yeah, it's just been getting so much attention. And I'm glad that I was able to get hands on it first in my library, um, because then I can read it and I can recommend it to everyone else. So again, that is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. It's excellent. Oh, good. I, I was going to ask if you had read it, and then I'm like, oh, I'm, she probably has. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, it was a big buzz book for the for the fall, and uh, it's excellent. I believe, I believe the film rights have sold, and possibly there might be another one in the works, but don't quote me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. All right, so before we jump into the episode, do you want to go ahead and give us our uh, first sponsor? Oh, yes. Our first sponsor today is Mira Books and Nanny Dearest by Flora Collins. Sue Keller's father unexpectedly passes away and leaves her orphaned in her mid-twenties. But then Sue meets her childhood nanny, Annie, and is eager to welcome her back into her life. Sue starts to uncover the truth about Annie's unsettling time in the Keller house all those years ago, particularly the manner of her departure or dismissal. At the same time, she begins to grow increasingly alarmed for the safety of the two new charges currently in Annie's care. If you've ever had a nanny or a babysitter, this will chill you to the bones, and it makes a perfect gift for the suspense reader in your life. That's Nanny Dearest by Flora Collins. Yeah, I always find nanny books to be particularly creepy. <laughs> yeah, I never had a nanny or a babysitter, but it was fun to say Nanny Annie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so delighted to have you again. If you're a new listener, welcome to for the first time. We're so happy that you decided to put us in your ear holes. And so, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mystery and suspense and true crime and just about anything that falls under that suspenseful umbrella. And this is also the part of the show where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for discussion topics for upcoming episodes, because they really do help us plan so many of our episodes. We've done a ton of listener suggestions in the past, and we hope to continue doing a ton more in the future. It's a great way to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, whether it's subgenres we haven't talked about yet, or movie adaptations, or true crime developments, or just anything that falls under that umbrella. Suggestions are definitely welcome. You can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We will have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to write it down now. But we always just put that call out ahead of time, get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from our listeners regardless. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. 
Finally, we've got a special little note that we want to throw in there that Book Riot is hiring for an advertising sales manager. The application deadline is December 5th, and they're looking for someone who is really enthusiastic about books and comics and who is able to help advertisers who want to reach the an enthusiastic community of fellow book and comics lovers. So if that description excites you, this may be this may be the job for you, especially if you have prior sales or account management experience. So Book Riot is strongly encouraging applications from women, individuals with disabilities, and people of color. There are benefits. There's health and PTO and other stuff associated with this position. To apply, you can visit bookriot.com slash join dash us. And you can see more information and apply there. And again, the deadline is December 5th. All right. So usually we jump right into the news segment, but not uncommon for the end of the year. Not a ton is happening. So I say let's go ahead and jump right into the heart of our discussion, which is just kind of keeping it simple. We're talking historical mysteries today. Yes! Yes, I and I'm glad that we decided on that because so many of the books I've been meaning to read, especially from this year, have been historical mysteries. So like, for in in your mystery and thriller experience liberty is mis- historical mysteries like a particular favorite subgenre or what's what's your relationship with historical mysteries well i would have to say yes just by default because agatha christie is my favorite mystery author so everything i read everything by her first those were those were my first mysteries when i was a kid so just historical mysteries right there but i would say especially for work most of my mystery reading is contemporary. And actually, I feel like quite a bit has been in the future lately <laughs> or or fantasy. And then one could argue that every book is a mystery because you don't know how it ends. But <laughs> yeah, I've read a few great historical mysteries uh, in the last few years. There are definitely some big ones that a couple I'm going to talk about today that kick off series. Uh, you have one of my favorites of the year on your list to talk about. So that's exciting. So I would lo- I have not read your first one though, so I would love to hear about it. Awesome. This was the book that I managed to finish in its entirety for this episode. So funny enough, all of the books that I picked for to talk about for this episode are 2021 releases. And so anything that you hear me talking about, we may have mentioned previously on the show, but they definitely came out this year. Okay, so my first pick for this episode is Dangerous Women by Hope Adams. And this book book synopsis actually rang bells for me that I didn't quite realize that I had, which is women on a ship experience bad things. Like, I don't know why there's a couple books that have been published recently that involve women isolated on a ship, and they experience bad things. And for whatever reason, I find that very compelling. But the story is centered around a group of actual women who in the 1840s were committed of crimes of varying severity. And they were put on a boat to travel to Van Diemen's Land, which is what Tasmania, uh, just off the coast of Australia, was called back then. And so they're put on this boat, sent off to that part of the world where they, the idea being that they can kind of some of them can get a new start, but away from the city where they committed their, you know, 
apparently heinous crimes like stealing food to live and that kind of thing. So there's a group, there's a large group of women on this boat. There's like 200 people. And the the story goes back and forth between the beginning of the voyage and the, towards the last days of the voyage where one of the women is stabbed by someone on the boat. They don't know who. They just know she was on the deck and then all of a sudden she starts crying out and she was and they find out that she has been stabbed and they're like who did this because no one no one saw what happened so it creates this really interesting dynamic where like i said it goes back and forth between the two timelines so you're the in the previous timeline you're watching as events lead up to that point and so you're trying to put clues together but you're also going through the days immediately after the attack trying to figure out who did it and so it's this really interesting play of, you know, putting the information together and but like casting suspicion on like every character you come across. And it's told from the perspective of a couple of different characters, one of whom has, you know, is not who she claims to be. And then it's just it's this really interesting way that they that they use different perspectives and different timelines. And at the center of the story is the this group of about 18, 20 women that are working with the uh, matron who has been brought on board to kind of, you know, maintain order. And she is working with these women to create a patchwork quilt that they will that they will present once the once the boat reaches its final destination. And so they're working on on this stitching and embroidery and stuff as a way to create purpose while they're at sea for I think it's like 15 weeks or something like that. And so the story is told a lot around, you know, this kind of community of women that's created within this endless, tedious voyage. And the crime itself is really interesting. But the book also talks about how it looks at how women were treated, how women were not believed, how women were always assumed to be at fault for whatever reason. And it you know, unfortunately, it's one of those things, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. So there, unfortunately, there's still some, you know, strong parallels to modern life. But yeah, it's just this really, really interesting multi-layered story. I will give a couple of trigger warnings. They're not, um, they're not super central to the plot. And they're not discussed in you know, excruciating detail, but they are discussed um, trigger warnings for miscarriage or child loss and uh, trigger warning for sexual assault. So like I said, not it doesn't constitute the primary portion of the plot, but if those subjects are sensitive to you, just, you know, be aware of that going in. But I really, really liked this book. It was, yeah, just really interesting. It had a lot of heart. It actually, it made me think of like the Agatha Christie style mysteries a little bit because after the crime has been committed, they call a bunch of women one by one into a room to ask them what happened and where were you and, you know, who did this and what did this or, and you know, what happened after this. And it just kind of reminded me of that kind of plot structure in the classic mysteries where you have the detective trying to figure out, you know, calling in the suspects one by one. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But again, the book is Dangerous Women by Hope Adams. All right. My first pick also has women in the title. First of all, I just want to give a shout out because I did read a book uh, many years ago about people on a lifeboat and something mysterious occurs and then there's a trial and you have to figure out like what happened on the boat. You just remind I was like furiously looking it up trying to remember <laughs> the title 
because I'm at that that point in my life where like so many titles go in and not all of them stick even after I've read the book. But it's uh, The Lifeboat by Charlotte Rogan. It's it's set like in 1914 and it's about a cruise liner that sinks and all these people are on the, you guessed it, The Lifeboat. Um, anyway, it's fun. I should go back and read that again. But anyway, so back to the women title book that I have. It is A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas, which is the first in the Lady Sherlock series. Uh, I'm sure it has probably been mentioned on the show before. It is a Book Riot favorite. Came out in 2016. Sherry Thomas has written some really great romance novels. And this is a really fun mystery with a twist on Sherlock Holmes. And instead of Sherlock, the main character in this case is named Charlotte Holmes. She is a brilliant young woman living in London in the late 1800s. And she really doesn't like society's expectations of women at that time. She gets into a bit of trouble here and there because she just doesn't want to behave like the quote-unquote fairer sex and how they're expected to behave. Like I said, it's in London and there are a series of mysterious deaths and Charlotte is very interested in these. She's, She's absolutely brilliant, as you might have guessed, being the Sherlock Holmes character. And as the story goes on and she starts looking into these, her father and sister are implicated in the, the murders of these people. And now she needs to work to clear their names because that's what she does. But of course, she's a woman, so you know, no one wants to listen to her and take her seriously. So she has to kind of put on a charade where she has a partner named Watson who doesn't want to meet with people and she discusses things with Watson and then comes back and says, here's what's, hap- here's what's happening. It's lots of fun. Uh, I really like, she uses her smarts and, you know, she's, she's a really fun character. She gets to use her smarts and also stick it to the patriarchy, which is, you know, really fun. It reminds me a little bit of a movie that I watched in the 80s when I was a kid called Without a Clue with Michael Caine and Ben Kingsley, where Watson was actually the brains of the operation and Michael Caine was an actor that he hired to play Sherlock Holmes. It's probably like a terrible movie now and horribly, you know, problematic. I don't know. But I just was thinking of it when I was writing up the notes for this show. I kind of like, you know, I I mean, Sherlock Holmes is fun, but like I like all these different takes on Sherlock Holmes and, you know, like maybe he doesn't really know what's going on or he's not a real person or, you know, all this stuff. I think that's really fun. So this is the first book, but there are six. I think the sixth book just came out. And if you like Sherlock Holmes or you like great historical mysteries or you like strong female characters, it is A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas. Yes, I I read that one a couple of years ago, and I second everything that you've said about it. And I think, um, actually, no, I know that book ended up on our Homicide for the Holidays display. So (laughs) there is that. And with that, I absolutely have to jump to our second sponsor for just for the segue alone. So before I jump into my second pick, our second sponsor for this episode is Sherlock Holmes and the Singular Affair by M.K. <gasps> Wiseman. So way to go, Liberty! <laughs> you gave me a great segue. So with this book, it is set in the months just prior to Sherlock Holmes meeting Watson. And this book also allows readers a peek into the detective's life pre-Watson and pre-Baker Street. 
this prequel pastiche, like Wiseman's other novel, which was Sherlock Holmes and the Ripper of Whitechapel, sets Holmes as his own narrator, and it explores the famous case of the aluminum crutch, and the story answers why Sherlock Holmes decided to seek out shared lodgings and partnership at that particular point in his burgeoning career. So if you are looking for another take on Sherlock Holmes or looking for another insight into this fictional detective's life, you'll definitely want to pick this one up. That is, again, Sherlock Holmes and the Singular Affair by M.K. Wiseman. And with that, I'm going to jump into my second pick, and that is Dead Dead Girls by Nikisa Afia. And this book, I've got like, I've got maybe 50 pages left in it. I was trying to finish reading it so fast before the, we finished recording this episode, but I'm like, no, I don't want to rush to the ending. I want to do it justice. This book is so good. I, I love it so much. And it is set in 1920, in the 1920s Harlem Renaissance. And this is, if you like amateur detective, stories where the main uh the main person figuring out the figuring out who done it has no experience with this whatsoever this is a great book so the main character is Louise Lloyd who is a young black woman living in Harlem and Louise's backstory is that when she was a teenager she was kidnapped and she managed to escape. And when she did, she became kind of a local hero. She was called Harlem's hero. And for the last 10 years or so, she's been trying to put that behind her because it was very traumatic and she doesn't like being, you know, stared at and questioned every time she goes, she walks outside. But nowadays, she is a waitress working at a cafe, and in the evenings, she spends her nights at a speakeasy, because, of course, this is during Prohibition, when alcohol was no bueno. So that's how she's spending her days, but then a girl, young woman, turns up dead in front of the cafe where Louise works, and she is forced to confront something that she's been trying to ignore, which is that over the last few weeks, several local black girls have been murdered, and no one seems to know who's doing it. And after she gets in, Louise gets into an altercation with a with a police officer, she's given an ultimatum. She can either help them solve the case by talking to the families, kind of infiltrating some of these places where a police officer would stand out, or she can be sent to jail and put on trial where she will ultimately be punished extremely harshly. So she has no choice but to kind of take the case. So she is thrust into these situations where she, you know, she has to talk to the girl's families. She has to go to the places where they worked, um, which a lot of times were speakeasies where there was also sex work happening. And so just a lot of, you know, she she has to go into into these situations that are not safe. And she's also struggling with the fact that, like, she is a black woman assisting a white police officer. And so she's like, I don't think I can really trust you. And so she, there's just lots of stuff going on. But what I love about this book is that, like, the that mystery is definitely happening. But there are so many just 
details about her life that just add so much richness to the story. Like she is in a secret relationship with another woman who lives at the boarding house where she lives. So that adds its own layer of complexity to the story. She has family members that some of or she's on the outs with her father. She has these friends who go to the speakeasies with her. And so she just has a lot of these elements and it just paints this portrait of this character who has this very, this very fraught and complicated life, but is also fulfilling in different ways as well. It's just, it's just a lot of fun to read. It's a very fulfilling read. And I will say again, with this book, there is a trigger warning for uh, sexual assault. So just, you know, kind of go into go into that being aware of it. So it's not a it's not a straight up cozy mystery. So if that's, you know, because that's kind of what I thought if, at first, but this book has has more darkness to it. But it's not at all like like out and out super, super dark. It's it's just got the really nice balance. And I am, once we finish recording, I'm going to finish those last 50 pages because I want to know who done it. Um, so again, that is Dead Dead Girls by Nikisa Afia. And this is also the first in the Harlem Renaissance Mystery Series. So if you want to start a new series and aren't too upset about not having a second book in the series to jump into right away, definitely pick this one up. It's a really great book. And the second one comes out in June, which is oh, perfect. really not that far away. And I'm glad that you pointed out the thing about a cozy because Nikisa actually changed her Twitter name to um, Dead Dead Girls is not a cozy mystery. <laughs> because somewhere along the lines, it got lumped into the cozy mystery category. And like you mentioned, there is sexual assault and it is quite dark in places. Uh, so it's definitely not a cozy mystery. But it is excellent, so... All right. My next pick is another Book Riot favorite. It is The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Massey. It came out in 2018. It won the Agatha Award, the Mary Higgins Clark Award, a bunch of other awards. It's really, really fun. And when I read it, I did not know that it is very loosely based on a real person. It's set in Bombay in the 1920s, and it is about a young woman named Praveen Mystery who has just joined the family law firm. Praveen has an Oxford education. She was one of the only women in her class. But at the time, women are allowed to be lawyers, but not allowed to go into the court, which is a whole lot of nonsense. So she's not allowed to go into court and practice law, so she's just sort of a solicitor at the firm. She does filing and goes over paperwork, and she comes across this will. It's the will of a man who has just died. Uh, He was a wealthy Muslim mill owner. He has three wives, and she thinks that there's something weird about this will because he has three wives, and he has children, and the women have signed their wealth over to charity. Like, everything that they have, they have signed over to charity and this paperwork. And also, they've all signed their names with an X, meaning that they probably cannot read or write, and so they were just told to put an X on this. So they don't, they might not even know, like, what they've just signed. So the women are living in full purda, which means that they are in strict seclusion because of the death of their husband. They have to stay in the women's quarters of their home, and they're not allowed to speak to any men. So... Praveen can actually go and talk to them. Like, she's like, great, this is something I can do. And this is so strange, and I should find out what this is about. And so she goes and she speaks with the women, and it does not make her feel any better about what she just read. Uh, And she starts snooping around and trying to dig deeper into this. And eventually, there's murder. 
And, you know, she has to save their lives, save her life, and get to the bottom of the case. Uh, and she's great fun, very smart, and just so, so clever. But we also go back and forth in time. We hear the backstory of Praveen in her life many years before she joined her father's firm. And it was a difficult time for her. And so I do want to give a content warning for partner abuse and violence uh, for that part of the book. And then, of course, you know, warning, murder. It's right there in the book. This is the first of three books now. And I'm ashamed to say that although I loved this first one, I have not read the second or third one still. And I don't know why that is. I should get to that. Um, really soon. Maybe over the holiday break, I'll read the second and third ones. But this one is so excellent. It's The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Massey. Yes. I mean, we've, we talk about Sujata Massey on this show so much. And I will say that I really enjoyed the Bombay, no, the Satapura Moonstone, which is number two. And I just yesterday bought a physical copy of the Bombay Prince, which is number three. Woohoo! I had it checked out previously, and again, the reading slump never got around to actually getting more than a few pages into it. So I'm like, no, I have to read this. But yeah, I really like I really like number two, and I've heard that number three is also very very good. So yes, oh, I love I love that book so much, Widows of Malabar Hill. That is that is another one to my patrons that I just hand that out like to every person I can. And then half the time when I recommend it to someone, I'm like, let me see if it's in. I'm like, oh, nope, it's not in. I must have handed it off to someone else. (laughs) It's just so great. It really is. And she's such a great character, like just smart and wanting to do the right thing, but without being just cloying and just kind of like... I can't think of the right word, but just, you know, trying to, like, she's not a goody two-shoes character at all. Like, sometimes she tries and messes up, but she's, like, her heart is just so much in the right place that it's, like, it's not even, oh, she's stumbling into this stuff. Like, no, she's very intelligent and knows what she's doing, but she's got a lot of difficult things in front of her. And, yeah, she's just really well-written. All right. And then um, just real quickly, I do have one more uh, bonus book that I have not had a chance to read, but it is on my stack of mysteries that I checked out from the library recently. And that book is Clark and Division by Naomi Hirihara. And this book uh, hit my radar just because it's set in Chicago. And being from the area, I am automatically interested in pretty much any book that's set in Chicago. And it's set in 1944. And it follows 20-year-old Aki Ito and her parents who have just been released from Manzanar, where they have been detained by the U.S. government uh, since after Pearl Harbor as you know, as happened in U.S. history, where the the Japanese internment camps uh, popped up after after that point. So the life that they were forced to leave behind in California is just completely gone, and they are being resettled in Chicago, where Aki's older sister Rose was sent months earlier and was moved to the new Japanese American neighborhood near Clark and Division. But on the the eve of the family's reunion, Rose is killed by a subway train. And Aki is just heartbroken. And officials are saying that Rose's death was a suicide, but she Aki just cannot believe that that is the case. She said she just believes that there's so much more happening here. And she knows that she's pretty much the only person that could figure out what happened or is even interested enough to find out what happened. So again, this is, yeah, another one that's not just set in 
a historical time period, but is inspired by actual historical events, really, you know, really dark time in the in America's past with the internment camps. And it just brings together, it seems like it brings together a lot of these elements. There's a lot of history that's um, and a lot of research that seems to have gone into this book and is one that I am really excited to read. So again, that is Clark and Division by Naomi Hirahara. And yeah, lots of lots, so many historical mysteries. I just I feel like there are just so many being published right now. So if any any of you listeners have suggestions for other historical mysteries that you've really loved, let us know. I know it's just it's such a huge subgenre with so many books and authors to explore. And with that, let's jump into new releases and I'm going to pass it over to you, Liberty, so I can take a breather. Yes, take some breaths. I read a recent mystery that came out. It's actually a Kobo original, which means that you can only get it uh, from your local indie for your e-reader. It is Murder Most Actual by Alexis Hall. Alexis Hall is the author of Boyfriend Material and Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake, which is one of the year's best romance novels. This one is a mystery, and there's a little smoochin' in it. It's so much fun, and I just... I squealed the whole time. Uh, I just loved it so much. It's about a couple, Liza and Hannah. They are on a trip to a very posh getaway uh, in the Scottish Highlands at this castle. Hannah is a corporate lawyer, possibly, or works in some fancy... I can't remember now. Anyway, Hannah makes a lot of money, (laughs) basically, is what I'm going to say. And she feels that Liza doesn't need to work because she makes so much money. And Liza uh, started her own true crime podcast as kind of, you know, a hobby, but it turned into this really popular thing that she loves to do. And she feels like Hannah doesn't understand that this is like a job too. And she feels like Hannah doesn't listen to her. Case in point, she didn't ask Liza if she wanted to go on this big getaway to the Scottish Highlands to work on their relationship. It's supposed to be like this big romantic weekend where they're going to, you know, work out their issues and and figure out their marriage. And so when they arrive there, they're kind of like, ugh, with each other. (laughs) And there's a murder that night. Um, Someone is found laying outside the grounds. And of course, there's also a snowstorm because, you know, it's kind of like a locked room mystery. Now they're all snowed in in this castle and somebody, you know, has murdered someone. And Liza's like, whoa, I have a true crime podcast. And now I'm literally in the middle of a true crime. Like, maybe if I solve this, you know, Hannah will take me seriously. And also, it'll be great for my ratings. And also, oh, my God, we're going to die. And it's it's so much fun. There's a bunch of, like, your classic clue sort of characters. You know, there's a, a priest and there's a professor and, you know, a military man. And... It's just really fun. There are a couple of things that happen in this book that are not the normal things that happen in these kind of locked room, you know, and then there were none mysteries. And I can't tell you what they are because they would be spoilers, but they were my favorite parts of this book. And it's just, it's so fun. Like, you know, they're going around and Liza's trying to solve the case and there's a mysterious woman in a red dress who shows up and, you know, is trying to tempt Liza away from Hannah. And there's just, it's so much fun so I'm going to stop babbling about it now, but it is called Murder Most Actual, and it's by Alexis Hall, and I hope that, you know, he writes a whole bunch more with these characters, because I loved it. I am now just trying to imagine myself trying to solve a mystery with my spouse. 
and yeah, it, it would not go well. It would no. really not go well. No, I always, you know, I mean, and like I think everyone, everyone does this. You like when you're reading a book and you, someone's in this situation. I'm always that person. I, I, they'd find me like frozen out in the middle of the woods because I'd be like, I'm not staying in this building. You know, like I'm leaving. Goodbye. Oh. And they'd be like, but you love mystery novels, and I'm like, I don't like being murdered. <laughs> I would leave for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I've got I've got to stop my brain from going down that train. It is both hilarious and horrifying. The thoughts that are popping into my head. Anyway, um, so for my pick for new releases, uh, this book comes out next week on December seventh. Which, oh my god, how did it become December already? That's not right. <laughs> anyway. This book is called A History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. And well, there's a there's a couple there's a couple of primary characters here. The story starts off with Travis Wren, who is known for locating missing people, like really has has a talent for this. And he's hired by families as a last resort when they can't find their missing family member. He just requires a single object to find the person who has vanished. And at the beginning of the book, he takes on the case of Maggie St. James, who is a well-known author of dark, macabre children's books. And in his search, he is led to a place called Pastoral that many believe to be a legend or like an urban myth. But Pastoral is a reclusive community that was founded in the 1970s by like-minded people searching for a simpler way of life. We've all heard this story. It does not end well. And by all accounts, this commune really should not even exist anymore. And soon after Travis stumbles upon it, he disappears as well. Years later, we are with Theo, who is a lifelong member of Pastoral, and he discovers Travis's abandoned truck out beyond the border of the community. And no one is allowed in or out of this community, not when there's a risk of bringing rot and disease into Pastoral. But Theo is curious and concerned, and in as he tries to unravel the mystery of what happened reveals secrets that he and his wife and her sister all have all kept from one another. And these secrets just kind of prove that their perfect isolated world is anything but is not safe, and that that darkness takes on many forms. So this book has been a has been another buzzworthy book that's been getting a lot of attention. And especially with the current fascination with these types of these secluded communities or cults, if you want to call them. But that that type of environment is, you know, very, very much alive in the in our cultural zeitgeist right now. So if you are looking for a for a book that touches on a lot of these themes, you would probably be interested in A History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. And again, that comes out on December 7th. I have to pick one more book to read for the December show for all the books, so maybe I'll pick that one. Ooh. I haven't read that one yet, but you were like, also disappears. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, it's like, okay, follow, you're following missing people. I'm like, all right. And then they disappear. Yes. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should be the subtitle for a lot of these books. It's like, ooh, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? That would be that would be the title of mine. Why you do this? <laughs> All right. And with that, that is our show. Thank you so much 
to everyone for listening. Thanks so much, as always, to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. I'm sure it is a challenging task at times. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. I hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.